Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning into the 29th episode on March 16th, 2021. Let's talk about the easy and reliable spider plants. And this is just a reminder that you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com or follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And don't forget to join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Let's dive in. So before we get into the spider plants, I wanted to point out that I will now be posting questions for upcoming podcasts on Instagram stories. And if you miss the stories and the questions, but you have another question, you can always feel free to DM me and I will get to it potentially in the next podcast. Usually I don't record more than a couple podcasts in advance just because there are things I'm learning day to day that I might want to include or sometimes photography comes up last minute or something like that. So it's really easy to add questions into a podcast. So if I already recorded it, I could probably edit it and just add that question as well. So feel free to ask up until like maybe a few days before the podcast gets released and usually I can answer the question. So for spider plants, I received several questions, I think about six of them that I'll answer today, and I will talk about it at the end of the podcast after all the other facts, and I will be including it in the blog as well at the bottom of the page. So feel free to look for that, and if you asked a question, I guess we'll see if I answered it for you. So uh, some really good questions were asked, so I was kind of excited that people were curious about other things more than just what I was planning on talking about. A lot of the questions were answered within the podcast as I go on, but there are specific detail questions that I don't quite address throughout the podcast. So wait till the very end to hear those questions if you would like to. Otherwise, let's get into it. Spider plants are a staple plant inside any home now and especially in the 1970s. I keep seeing that pop up in a bunch of resources that the 1970s were the spider plants time, but they are still a really reliable houseplant right now and they're not really known for their collectability, but they are really reliable and they have some really nice showy growth. So I've seen these plants in plant shops and garden centers all over the place. Almost every time I go, I can either find them in terrarium size plants, like the little two inch guys or one inch, or I've even seen them in big 12 inch hanging baskets where they're feet long to the ground. So they come in many different sizes. They don't really come in a ton of different colors, but you can commonly find them variegated in plain green, or they have a curly leaf form. So those are really the only differentiating forms. Sometimes you can find some varieties that have a thicker leaf too or a wider leaf, but not by much. So the botanical name for this is Chlorophytum camosum, commonly called spider plant. A couple other common names are airplane plant and St. Bernard's lily, which I didn't know about, but I did hear about afterwards. Some of the variety names, which there are not a lot, but as I was doing research, I even go on Etsy to see what people are putting on there for their variety names that I'm checking out other places where you can buy spider plants, house plants online and see what they came up with. So variegatum obviously is one of them. Zebra grass is another. Bonnie is the curly leafed one and variegated bonnie as well. It comes in that. Vitatum or vitatum 
is another variegated form as well. And Hawaiian is another one. The Hawaiian one has a wider leaf and a little bit more of a yellow variegation to it than a white. So those are some of the common names, not too complicated. Nine times out of 10, wherever you get it, it's not going to have a variety name on it, but there's not a lot out there. So you could probably narrow it down to what it is. All right, let's jump into the sun and water requirements and then we'll move on to everything else. Spider plants can handle low to bright indirect light. I know that seems like a big range, but let me explain. The non-variegated varieties, so just the plain green ones, do great in low to medium light. The variegated varieties, as I say in almost every podcast, should be placed in medium but preferably bright indirect light. Now, if you have a space that has low light and you really want to put your variegated spider plant there, it's not going to kill it. It just might not grow as fast. It might not grow as full. It might not produce plantlets, which we'll talk about later. And the leaves might stay a little thinner and it might just be a little scrawnier. I'm not saying that will for sure happen, but I'm saying that that is a possibility if you were to keep it in a low light spot. So overall, my recommendation is if you have a variegated spider plant, they thrive in bright indirect light, but they will do okay in low to medium light. If you have a plain green spider plant, they will thrive in medium light, really. That's all they really need, but they'll also do fine in low light, but they'll do best in medium. Pretty simple, right? Not a lot of explaining there. So let's move on to water requirements. During the active growing season, spring to fall, it's best to keep them consistently moist. So this will also help avoid leaf tip browning, which is one of the main questions that I'll talk about even more later, just condensed because I go over it a bunch of times in here. But spider plants can also be sensitive to fluoride and tap water, which also means potentially browning leaves because of this as well. So if you can use distilled water or rainwater, or even if you just let your watering can full of water sit out before you use it, that would be best. So in the non-growing season, basically just winter, some of fall maybe, you can cut back on the watering and allow the soil to dry, almost dry, in between waterings. So pretty easy. I mean, just keep it consistently moist. That will cut down on the leaf browning. And then in the off season, allow the soil to dry much more between waterings. The perk to this one and why it is also so low maintenance is that it does not need extra humidity, which is a big score. It won't hurt the plant if you end up putting it in some extra humidity, obviously. If anything, it will help it keep growing, but it doesn't need it. Okay, let's move on to fertilization and propagation, which will have a little bit more detail than the watering and the sunlight requirements. All right, so for fertilizing, I always say there's never really a wrong answer unless you're over fertilizing, but in this case, it gets a little bit more complicated, which I did not know until I did a bit more research. I still fertilize everything just about the same. I fertilize every two weeks when my plant is starting to show new signs of a lot more growth around the end of February. And I continue fertilizing every two weeks up until about October. And then I maybe fertilize one more time in winter and that's it. And that's kind of parallel to what all the other recommendations are for the most part. But many sources say that the lack of or if you have too much fertilizer, that could also be reasons why your tips are browning, which is also confusing because how are you supposed to know if you have the correct amount of fertilizer? But that is why I'm here. So I and all the sources that I read and look at recommend using a houseplant fertilizer, but cutting it either in half, the recommendation in half, or by at least three-fourths. So 
always use less than what's recommended for spider plants specifically. Most houseplants only need about three-fourths the recommended fertilizer as well, but spider plants could be a little bit picky about it. So if you're not fertilizing at all, that could be causing the tips to brown. But if you're fertilizing too often or with a higher concentrated fertilizer, that could also be the cause of it. So I have two sources I'll read a direct quote from that they recommend. I told you what I already do. I do have browning tips, but for me, it's lack of moisture because it's such a small plant. I've allowed it to dry out completely in between watering, and that is probably why I have brown tips. You'll see it in the blog post too. But okay, the two sources I have are the Complete Houseplant Survival Manual and Dr. Houseplant. So the Complete Houseplant Survival Manual says in spring and early summer, feed every two weeks with a balance houseplant fertilizer mixed at half the normal rate in fall feed monthly. So it doesn't even recommend feeding in the winter time here. The book Dr. Houseplant says feed every two weeks through the year with good liquid fertilizer, especially once the plant has started to produce plantlets. So through the year, I'm assuming means winter. So this is why I always say sources say different things and I like to put these in here and maybe you would interpret that differently where through the year might mean through the season. I'm not sure. I would recommend cutting back in fall and winter on fertilizing because you are cutting back on watering in fall into winter as well. So that's what I would do and I use a Espoma indoor liquid plant food and I mix it with the water every time, and that's what I do. I just do a tiny little drop in there, and that's, I'd rather under-fertilize than over, so hopefully that gives you a good explanation. All this information, again, is on the blog, so if this gets confusing in any way, it is right there to look at, too. So another question I got was propagation as well. I got it a few times, but spider plants produce what are called plantlets, which I mentioned earlier, and these form off the end of stems. You use these plantlets to propagate your spider plant. The plantlets will keep forming one after another down the stem and will continue growing fuller and larger the longer you leave them. Sometimes plantlets will form off of other plantlets as well because it's basically producing a whole new spider plant. The best practice and way to ensure that you successfully propagate a plantlet is to place the base of the plantlet in the soil while letting it still use that parent plant's stem to sustain it. You can do this by simply placing it in the soil of the mother plant that it's hanging off of and you can use the bobby pin or a paper clip or something and just make sure it's you're stabilizing it into the soil. Just make sure you're not sticking it too far deep in the soil because that is not going to help it at all. Make sure it's just sitting there on the top of the soil. And when it roots, you can cut it off that stem and place it into its own pot. Now, if this is a hanging plant and you kind of want to keep it separate. You could cut it off the stem, but I would cut it off when the leaves are about two to three inches long. If you wait too long, sometimes that does not work for propagation because the base of the plant will harden off after a while and it won't produce roots. So you want to make sure it's still a somewhat younger plantlet when you propagate it. If you do cut it off and it's obviously a younger plantlet, make sure you put it in moist potting mix and keep it consistently moist. That way it will produce roots and over time, maybe in two to three weeks, it will produce roots. It might struggle a bit more if it's by itself than on the mother plant, but you should be able to produce those roots and propagate it separately as well. It'll just have an easier time if you leave it on that stem of the mother plant. 
Another way you can actually not propagate but produce a second spider plant out of your existing one is if you have a mature spider plant, you can divide them and cut it in half like you would a hasta or a daylily and that would give you two spider plants and you just place each of them in potty mix and water like you normally would. I would wait until springtime to divide them, just like you would a peony or hosta or daylily, because then it has all of that growing season to recover and establish itself. I guess that matters more with a perennial before winter, but, (laughs) you know, same concept. Okay, so that was fertilization and propagation, a lot of info there, but let's dive into some of the other facts, and then we will go into the questions and the answers from Instagram followers. Alright, so I don't have a ton of other facts, only a few, but the spider plant is part of the Asparagaceae family, natively primarily in tropical and subtropical regions of Africa, Asia, and Australia. Some of the other plants in that family include asparagus fern, hosta, lily of the valley, and dracaena. Spider plants can grow to about one to two feet tall, but since the stems kind of arch over, the actual length of the plant, the height of the plant can get bigger. So the leaves might not reach any more than about three feet, but the actual stems that those plantlets grow can go way beyond three or four feet as well, depending on how long you let it go. These plants can actually survive in a little colder temperatures than a lot of house plants. So you have to keep it above 50 degrees Fahrenheit, whereas most house plants like to stay above 60. So that was an interesting fact I learned. If you live in a cold climate like Wisconsin, you also want to keep it out of drafty windows and doors, just like most house plants as well. But the not below 50 was very interesting to learn. These do produce flowers. Most of the time, a flower will show up, which will mean that a plantlet shows up. And they're small white flowers, not really very showy, but that kind of produces that plantlet. So the flower will form, then the plantlet will form after that flower at the end of the stem. Okay, that was all my other facts. Oh, one more thing. These are pet friendly, which is also a major perk because it's really hard to find houseplants that are pet friendly. So these guys are. Okay, so let's get into the questions and answers. As I said, I started asking my followers on Instagram if they had any specific podcast questions that I could address. I had I had about six or seven this time around. I'll probably keep it to that amount every time because it's a lot of questions and a lot more talking. So I know this will all help everyone because some of them sums up what I basically said previously, but some of them are other questions that I did not address either. So Loved it either way. So first question is, I know spider plants like to be root bound, but when is too much? How do you know to repot? So a few points to this that I put in the blog as well. Most houseplants would rather be root bound or at least in a pot that isn't too much bigger. There are a few ways that you can tell if it needs repotting though. One way is the obvious way, pulling it out of its pot and checking where the roots are. If the root system is fully visible all the way around the outside of that soil line and it's staying really compact and it's really hard to loosen up that soil, that's a good indication that it needs to be repotted. Another way is if you have the plant in its original nursery pot and you have it just in a a cash pot or something and you start to see the pot deforming because the thick tubular roots are forming on the sides of the soil, or you see the roots coming out of the bottom of the pot, that might be another indication needs to be repotted. My last suggestion, and this might be a little tougher to 
check on, but my last suggestion would be to pay really close attention to its water consumptions. So if you notice there is less and less time between waterings, even in the active season and inactive season, this can be an indication that the root system is getting really, really large and there is more root than soil in the pot. So the soil holds on to that moisture for the root system to feed off of. And if the root system is getting so big that the soil isn't able to hold enough moisture, that could also be an indication that it needs to be repotted. A lot of times it's easier to tell at a garden center, like when I was working at the garden center, we had a stilby perennials that were super root bound and you watered them in the morning and by midday you had to water them again. And then even though the irrigation went off again at night, you still had to water them over and over and over again because the soil was just not holding the moisture that the plant needed. So those are my suggestions for the root bound question. So the next question says, mine seems healthy, lots of babies, but one of the offshoots has tiny babies that don't grow well. Why? This could be a few factors, and I hate when people say that, but it's true. <laughs> um, so this could be inconsistent watering, this could be not enough moisture, or it could be too much fertilizer. Another factor is lighting, which I didn't quite know about until I did more research on it. Basically, Spider plants are more successful at producing plantlets when they experience the fall-winter lighting change. So allowing your spider plants to be in darkness at night for a few weeks in fall and winter will help produce those healthy plantlets. So for example, me in Wisconsin, there's not a lot of light during the winter. So by like maybe 7.30, the light is starting to come up. But by I think the earliest is four o'clock. It's completely dark. So we already have that change naturally. And if you're getting that change naturally, then you should be producing plantlets. But again, those other factors of watering, moisture, fertilizer, anything like that could also be a factor. Okay, so the next question is literally how do you avoid browning tips? And this was the number one question I got. And I know I said that earlier. And I know I addressed some things earlier as well for this, but here are kind of broken down what the possibilities are. One, not enough moisture. Your solution is keep it consistently moist. Do not let the soil dry out completely between waterings. I believe this is one factor for me of why I have brown tips on mine. Two, fluoride in your water if you have tap water. So the solution is to use rainwater, distilled water, or leave your tap water sit out overnight before watering. I also believe this is a problem that I have because I take it directly from the tap and water it. Fun fact, you do the same thing with calathea and you can minimize your brown tips on those as well. A lot harder houseplant. There's a million different factors in that, but just saying. <laughs> and three and kind of four, not enough fertilizer, too much fertilizer. <laughs> so the solution is basically just use slightly less than the recommended or half of the recommended houseplant fertilizer every two to three weeks from spring to summer and minimize fertilization in fall and winter. So that way you're definitely knowing that you're at least fertilizing, but you're not fertilizing too much. Okay, so the next question, which wasn't a question, it was kind of a statement, and I love it. Um, it says, how to make spire plants less scraggly? So again, multiple factors. I would make sure you have it in enough light because that will help with overall fullness of your spider plant. If you aren't fertilizing, I would start. This is going to also help with fullness and consistent growth. 
Lastly, I would make sure you're watering consistently. And again, don't allow that soil to completely dry out between waterings. If you're really worried about this watering issue, which some people are, especially new plant parents, are very worried about over or under watering, you can invest in a moisture meter reader. And they're actually fairly cheap on Amazon. I'll link them in the blog in this question at the bottom if you would like to go look. But honestly, on Amazon, I just search moisture meter reader indoor or houseplants and there are tons of options that come up. I think I paid $12 or $15 for mine and it works great. So that's what I would do if your spider plant's looking kind of scraggly. Next question says, I wish mine looked that dark green. I posted a picture of mine at one point. It says mine are pretty dull greenish but still thriving though. So the dull green could be two factors. One, it could be in too much light, or two, it could be in not enough light, which I know that sounds contradictory, but if you have your spider plant in direct sunlight, a south window, that's full sun, and spider plants do not do well in full sun. They need indirect lighting. So if that's the case, back it up off the window or move it to an east or west window. If you have this plant off of a window, not close to a window, not even in a north window, it could be the lack of light that's causing the dullness. If you're not, if you have the variegated one and you're not seeing that direct difference between your white or I guess your yellow and your green, that's because it has a lack of light. So if the more light you have it in, if you have it in that bright indirect light, that white variegation is really going to show up. So I would move it either to east or west window or move it off of a south window and that should help with that. Hopefully that helps. I don't know this person's exact situation, so I can't say definitively what it is, but it's either not enough light or too much. So hopefully that helped. The next one asks, how long does it typically take for spider plants to get old enough to produce babies? This is one I couldn't find a definitive answer on and I don't have one, but I have a spider plant and it's tiny and it's already producing plantlets. So my plant is maybe max three inches tall, maybe four inches wide, and I already have plantlets growing on mine. You can see them on the blog post. But if you have an older plant and nothing's happening yet, this could be a sign of a watering issue, a fertilizing issue, or lack of fertilizing, or even that lighting issue as I discussed earlier. So keep those things in mind. If you're if you're one of those people that uses grow lights for spider plants, maybe in fall and winter, don't use them as much. Cut them back at the normal time that the sun is going down and that might help that solution. Last question, my cat keeps eating the brown tips of my spider plant. What do I do? The easiest solution to this is just preventing your cat from wanting to go near it. So eventually I would like to do a podcast about this and pet friendly plants in general, but since this plant is pet friendly, it's not going to do much harm to your cat, but if you're just trying to make your plant survive, here are a few things you could do to help prevent your cat from even going near it. One, cats are really sensitive to smells, so even if you put a citrus peel like a lemon or a lime or something in the pot, or even if you sprinkle a little cayenne pepper, that might deter them from even going near it. I've read online too for bunnies in your yard if you use, I don't know what it is, the red like the red flakes, I think it's, it's not cayenne. I don't cook, can you tell? Anyway, they're like red spicy flakes if you put them by some of your plants, the bunnies won't wanna go near them. So similar situation, but for cats indoor in your little pots. 
Another option is spraying the actual plant. So there are pet sprays specifically for this houseplant problem out there. I'm sure you could find them on Amazon. I found a granular one actually. When I first adopted Bruno, my dog, I bought a granular version of this and I put it in my houseplants because I wasn't quite sure what the dog would do. He never touched them, but I also just think he's a pet that doesn't do it. Like if my monster leaf is hanging a little low, he'll run into it and like that's about it. So I think I got lucky, but you can also use the granular version of that as well. It doesn't hurt your houseplant at all, so that's good. You can also do something a little homemade. You could do one part vinegar, four parts water, and spray the actual leaves. This will not hurt your plant at all, and that vinegar will be a deterring factor for your cat too. Those are all the Instagram questions and answers, so hopefully that was a fun new section for everyone. If you follow me on Instagram, definitely remember to check my stories day to day. I don't have a definitive day I'm going to post that question, but I never have a ton of stories. So eventually I will be asking that question. If you feel like you missed my question at some point, feel free to DM me a question and I can address it as well. So just so you know, if you wanted to DM me a question now or whenever, my next podcast that's coming out March 30th is going to be about African violets. So feel free to look for that question. I will probably be asking that question of what do you want to see or if you have any questions the previous week, so the week of the 22nd. I'll probably ask it within that week because I'll probably record that weekend before it gets released just in case I don't want to miss any questions. So there we go. There's everything about spider plants. Thanks for listening to episode 29 of Houseplant Homebody, all about spider plants. And this is just a reminder that you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com or follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And don't forget to join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means everything, and I can't wait to continue bringing you guys more and more plant bios and info. Don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for more podcasts. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Hi there. I wanted to pop on and talk about a message I got a few weeks ago from... Twyla, one of my Instagram followers, and I thought I'd talk about it a little bit because her and I were chatting a bit and I just thought it was really good information to share with you and I love learning from you guys and I know you guys have learned from me. So this is just a big houseplant and plant in general learning community and I love that she messaged me and shared a little bit about what she did and everything and I asked her if I could share this and she said absolutely. So in my fifth podcast, which is about pothos, I addressed the fact that pothos in Florida are invasive species. And she messaged me. She said she was listening to the podcast and then she had been thinking about it and she just wanted to talk to me about it because she was happy I addressed it. She is a field technician in Hawaii removing invasive species that threaten ecosystems. So I just wanted to address the fact that if you're in Florida and you own a pothos or really tropical places, where the plant adapts to a new environment really easily and reproduces quickly and becomes an invasive species, it can really destroy habitats. 
Not only is this for plants, this is also animals. For example, for us in Wisconsin, Asian carp are an invasive species. So I just wanted to throw that out there. If you're in an environment that this place can survive outside, maybe double check it and really make sure you're not letting it go beyond your house or your patio and just making sure that it's not becoming a problem outside of your home. For example, in Wisconsin, we have some invasive species that or I guess Midwest, maybe. It really depends on the place you're living because, you know, in Illinois, there might be an invasive species, but not in Wisconsin yet kind of thing. So, for example, buckthorn, honeysuckle, some barberry, euonymus, Norway maples are becoming invasive. So, all things to think about when you're planting in your yard. So, most of the time, garden centers do a good job at monitoring that and making sure they're not selling an invasive species to you. But, If you can do your part and just double check, even if you ask someone at a garden center, hey, I heard that invasive species can really affect a habitat and I'm not about to do that. Is this plant anything to worry about? They can tell you yes or no. If they can't, they can find an answer for you and you can look it up online too. So spider plants in general, I did not see any information about being invasive. They are really aggressive ground covers in tropical areas, but I could not find anything about them being invasive. So just something to consider if you are living in a tropical area or subtropical area where these plants can survive outside, maybe it's something just to double check and keep your eye on because we don't want to be destroying habitats for other animals and creatures out there too. So Thank you, Twyla, for messaging me. I really appreciate the information you guys give me sometimes. I learn from all of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I also want to thank everyone that submitted questions this time around. You guys are really helping me learn and you're helping everyone else learn as well. So keep it up. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye.